Hello, friends, and welcome to the Epic Human Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Blair, and thanks for listening today. On today's episode, I'm excited to bring you my interview with John Gray. He's the CEO and co-founder of MentionMap Analytics, a company focused on protecting social media reputations. John's based in Vancouver, where I used to live, and is well known as a leading expert in the realm of social media manipulation and fake news bots. So for those who don't know, their entire company is built upon the idea of social media manipulation. It can be something as simple as paying for fake Twitter followers, all the way to changing the course of elections or stock markets. At a basic level, it's using a combination of technology and human psychology to influence mass numbers of people. John's been studying this phenomenon for a while at MentionMap and has even collaborated with two professors at the University of Salford in the UK, co-authoring an article recently about the social media manipulation during the Super Bowl by both political and commercial organizations. In this episode, you'll learn the techniques that bot programmers use to gain influence over us, who's behind all this activity, and what, if anything, can be done about it. John reminds me of everything I love about Canadians. He's humble, jovial, and thoughtful all at the same time. I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed making it. So without further ado, please give it up for an epic human, John Gray. And we're live with John Gray. Hey, John, how are you today? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on the Epic Human Podcast. Yeah, I mean, um, what can I say? Thanks. Uh, you know, thank you for inviting me. It's a, a great opportunity, and um, I'm pretty jazzed up about, I think, the conversation we're going to have and where we're going to go with it. Uh, I am jazzed as well. And and first off, just want to say thanks to, to Alfred Lamb, uh, who connected us? My former coworker and and dear friend and uh, and he, I think he had an intuition that you and I would would just have an awesome conversation and uh, and I think he was right. So I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, Alfred's just that kind of guy. He does get things at uh, at another plane from he, another planet. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does, and he is he is one of the. Uh, coolest calmest people I've, I've ever met and uh, well, I hope you'll have on the show one day Joe I uh, mean Alfred is an epic guy absolutely absolutely he's he's definitely on the list uh, so just want to in- introduce you um, uh, and I, I guess I would describe you you have many different titles many different um, ways to describe you but I would describe you as kind of an expert or a thought leader in this new world of fake news and uh, social media bots. Uh, so maybe you have a different way of describing yourself, but how would you describe yourself and how did you get into this whole world of, uh, of, of what we're talking about today? You know, I, I think, Joe, with you being down in the Bay Area, you'll get it when I can channel that, um, you know, taking from the old Grateful Deadline, what a long, strange trip it's been. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's not been a straight path uh, to get here. Um, but, um, you know, it's... Uh... <sighs> Sorry, man, somebody was just like rudely... You're going to have to do an edit there. Some <laughs> person I have no idea who was was trying to... Uh, call through on Skype on, uh, probably wanted to have a uh, talk about uh, 
pornographic stuff looking at it. (laughs) Perfect. You know what? This is here we go. Right off the bat, Joe, the bots are finding me on Skype. (laughs) They're targeting you now. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, So fair enough. So the question was, yeah, yeah, how did you get into this crazy world? How did I get here? I got here, you know, really out of a sense of sort of curiosity. And I think it's been um, sort of my background um, from, you know, doing a degree in communications before there was an internet. You know, I joke that uh, when I uh, started my degree, Marshall McLuhan was still alive. And um, uh, when I finished my first degree, uh, Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death was uh, published in 1985. So, um, it, you know, <laughs> Uh, it, like I said, it, it's been a journey. So 2009 basically got into some network visualization, uh, looking at Twitter and just continued down this path and, and, you know, you know, really to, to sum it up, hit, um, the fall of 2016. Um, and we know that there were some interesting things happening, um, on the political, um, landscape, uh, mm-hmm. in the U S yeah. but, um, believe it or not, it was, um, actually, an Italian investigative journalist who did some research using our data visualization tool um, into, you know, essentially found a, you know, sock puppet bot that was uh, promoting anti uh, Prime Minister Renzi uh, propaganda in the lead up to the Italian referendum. And at that time, that was back in November. And I went, wow, what a cool use case for our tool. And that's when I suggested to my co-founder that maybe we um, build this prototype and see what we can do about um, seeing non-human uh, behavior in a you know networked visualization way on Twitter. And you know, so essentially by last January we had this prototype, and since last January I've been quite frankly, seeing a lot of conversations on Twitter uh, reveal themselves in a whole new light. And um, it's been a learning experience, you know, really since then, trying to really understand more about, um, you know, really this complex ecosystem, um, you know, that our information uh, climate has, uh, you know, evolved into. Yeah, you, I mean, you talk about the 2016 election, uh, where it where it first grabbed my attention was right around that time, uh, around the time of the first debate, and I, I got a Facebook uh, invitation from a, a a woman, an attractive woman who I didn't recognize, and but it looked like a it it, it didn't look like she was she was a model or it was a fake uh, a fake photo. It looked like a, just a very normal person. Um, so I, I clicked on it to see if maybe I know this person and I didn't, I didn't recognize her once I blew up her image and I didn't know any of her friends. Uh, so I started just looking through her wall and unlike the typical walls you'd see of any face person on Facebook that, that have pictures of what I ate for supper or, or <laughs> pictures of my, me and my friends out, it was just, uh, it was just a nonstop wall of, uh, of, of, Trump media, uh, mm. so or pro-Trump or pro-right media, uh, one after another, and and quite hyperbolic uh, conspiracy theory. I mean, it was all the way to the right, not not in the in the you know rational realm. And that's when that's when the light bulb went off for me is is saying, hey, wait a second, maybe this is part of a strategy that 
um, is, is organized and is strategic. Um, and so that, that was my very first inkling that something was afoot. Um, so, but, but, so tell me more. So you, you started, uh, you've been working on this, this mention map tool. Uh, and, and so what did, what did you start to discover uh, as, you, as you looked deeper into it uh, post-election and post this, uh, this Italian investigator's uh, report? Um, well, you know, part of it was just, you know, I have this tool. Um, I, I, you know, really it came down to is realizing how much I didn't know, mm-hmm. uh, how much I still had to learn. Um, and, you know, so it's, it, it has been a process. So, I mean, shortly after that, actually, I was quite interested in um, – it's sort of the first uh, real you, you know um, case study that we published okay was around um, the Dutch election okay. so I was looking at um, some activity around the hashtag Gert Wilders and um, you know that was the first time that I uh, I realized that that wow look at this amplification behavior that's happening and you know, so I found an interesting collection of profiles and started adding them up. And again, you know, you just ask questions, you see patterns. And then suddenly when you see a group of these um, profiles with really similar metrics and then, oh, look, it, this one joined in June of 2016. And oh, 20 of these have all joined in June 2016. And they've got a similar number of followers and a similar number of people they're following. And it just all started... Um, you know, at that point coming together that, that, you know, there really is some sketchy activity going on here and it's starting to understand, um, you know, the, the gaming of the platforms, the gaming of the, of the, um, you know, the algorithms and, you know, it's seeing like these are pretty inconsequential profiles, but what purpose are they serving? And, and, you know, these are serving as, um, you know, retweeters. Mm -hmm. So suddenly a retweet, uh, you know, a, a specific tweet, um, you know, has 30, 40, 50, 100 more retweets um, from non-humans. Uh, other profiles take note of, um, you know, just like a lot of content. So, you know, I, I think when we consider that how the, you know, algorithm, and, and again, you know, while my tool focuses on Twitter, um, I want to be clear that, you know, let's, you know, as we know, <laughs> I think from some current uh, investigative work from, uh, um, uh, you know, from Robert Mueller, for instance, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think if we, you know, I don't want to just make this conversation about picking on Twitter. It just happens that, um, A, um, I have a tool that looks at it. Right. B, I happen to like Twitter. It's not a, all a giant cesspool of, um, of, of despicable commentary and trolls. Uh, and bots, um, you know, like I said, I, I've been bullish on Twitter since I first started using it back in like 2008, 2009. And, um, but, you know, like I said, I think we have to agree that where there is a platform where there are social cues to be manipulated um, in order to uh, show engagement, in order to get elevated into what others see, you know, YouTube, mm-hmm. Facebook, right. um, uh, Craig Silverman and the team at uh, BuzzFeed uh, found some pretty shady stuff happen on Tumblr. They reported recently. Um, Instagram um, certainly read a unique report that uh, Jeremy Corbyn's team, uh, labor team, prior to the last British election, were using bots on Tinder. <laughs> oh my goodness! 
So, wow. um, so this is where I sort of come into, and, and oh, and by the way, I'm also um, don't want to uh, give LinkedIn a pass either. Um, it, you know, unfortunately, they've got things locked up so tight trying to get data from them is, well, impossible, but um, I do take note of some uh, behavior that's been coming my way and some of the types of invitations I've been getting to connect. And um, I certainly, again, believe that um, LinkedIn isn't immune to, um, as I call it, being part of the ecosystem of fake. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I've, I've gotten a couple of LinkedIn uh, invitations from folks claiming to be part of Japanese uh, metal conglomerates and they just need a, a U.S. subsidiary and someone to take checks and things like that. Um, and, and it can be quite shady. But, but just, just getting back to the, the power of social media and, and let's say you have bots that are retweeting certain things. And I mean, what is the, what is the tangible impact of, of that activity? Um, is it more, is it more that they're taking advantage of specific algorithms on these social media platforms or is it more of a human, a human construct like a human psychology construct? You know, I think we could just throw it into the vat, stir it around and say all of the above, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it isn't just one thing. I think what we've got is, uh, obviously the amplification, um, of messages, um, and then I think, you know, in all fairness, is, you know, if you think about the empty tip jar syndrome, right? Mm. Um, if you see a piece of content that is uh, basically not been engaged with, um, the odds are pretty good you might not retweet it, you might not like it, you might not um, upvote it. Um, but if you see those metrics, those numbers indicating um, a higher degree of uh, engagement. Mm. Um, you know, your brain is probably going to trigger something very different than um, content that's not getting engagement. And so I sort of joke, it's like, um, you know, the bots turning us into bots. <laughs> right. Um, because, you know, face it, I mean, uh, I would argue not too many people sometimes other than, you know, um, a curious guy like me and a handful of others would look at uh, a tweet and start um analyzing who's been retweeting that tweet and um, deciding, you know, who's real and who's not. And and so does it, I guess the question is, intuitively, it makes sense that it would work, but is there evidence to show that it actually does work? Is is there, is there any way of, is there any way of validating that uh, with data? And, And I only ask because I wonder if there's a tipping point where, I mean, I'll just use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. I'm at this point where if I uh, look at someone's profile, let's say on Twitter, and they have, let's say, more than 10,000 followers, and I don't know who they are, so uh, mm-hmm. excluding mm-hmm. celebrities and, and politicians and whatnot, if I don't know who they are and they have 10,000 followers, I kind of assume they're either not a real person or they've, or they've bought those, those followers. Um, so I guess just getting back to the question, is, is, this, is this definitely working? Will it, will it continue to work? Is it changing? What are the trends showing? Well, it's, it's definitely changing. I mean, I've mm-hmm. seen some things just in the last couple of days with uh, a few of the, and, and, you know, and just, um, I'm trying not to be, um, agent secret here, but there's a, a, 
a little bit of this is I don't like um, sharing too much of um, what I'm finding, how I'm finding it, because, um, you know, all that potentially does is for the people that are trying to, um, uh, you know, utilize these things with ill intent, um, you know, it just gives them an excuse to continue to change their game plan, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'm going all Bill Belichick here and, um, (laughs) you know, I've got my hood on, man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But... But no, I mean, Joe, is I think um, if it wasn't working, um, I don't think we'd be seeing, um, or at least from my perspective, I wouldn't be seeing the amount of behavior um, connected to it. Mm. Um, You know, and I think that, um, you know, it's that whole idea, like for me of, um, you know, so it happens on so many different levels because, I mean, I think it really happens. It's it's a function of what any operator's goals and intent is. And so um, obviously a lot of it comes back to money. Um, you know, so is it a commercial um, effort to um, inflate a perspective of uh, I'm influential right. um, versus, a, versus a political situation, right? So, I mean, I think we really have to, you know, look at this um, situation of um, fake profiles of bots of um, the the automation of uh, social platforms, um, you know, through the lens of uh, what could the potential um, purpose be. So, right. I mean, if if it's political, mm-hmm. you know, I have this just huge concern ab- about the whole idea of astroturfing. Right, is where you get issues um, that get elevated to the point where we're seeing the manipulation of public perception and public opinion, um, be it around, um, you know, issues, you know, when I've looked into, for instance, and I have been doing some research around um, the climate science issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been looking at, um, did a couple of pieces around the um, anti-vax movement. Um, so I'm concerned in terms of some of the conversations in our public space around, um, you know, uh, public health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, funny enough, I'm working on a second one because, uh, you know, the whole world of blockchain and crypto is uh, <laughs> flashing on my uh, on my tool meter saying there's some very sketchy, uh, very non-human behaviors happening in that world, too. So, yeah, I, I want to ask you about that. But d- just just real quick, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not familiar with that term astroturfing. What, what does that refer to? So. It's where we get a, shall we say, a. It looks like a grassroots uh, movement per se, um, elevating a particular um, topic or issue, mm. um, you know, into the in, into public view. Yeah, and oh, I see. So, I see. So it's it's um, the fake the fake grassroots. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and so yeah, I mean, just to break this down, there there's political uh, aspirations, there's commercial aspirations. I mean, you. you you hear about celebrities that are inflating their their numbers. You hear about politicians doing this. You, you hear about corporations. Um, I guess the question for me is, despite uh, or regardless of who's the face of these things, who is actually doing the work? Who who is who who or what organization are creating these bots? Um, are are there? Are there central organizations that are doing this, or is it is it is it more hackers, or what what's the makeup there? Yeah, and I mean, and and, and there's again another element of complexity to this whole thing. So it's not all coming out of Saint Petersburg, Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
So, you know, I think what we have is, um, you know, a, a variety of state actors, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the, uh, in, you know, shall we say, cybersecurity intelligence material I've been reading of late. You know, I mean, we can't dismiss what's happening um, in terms of efforts coming out of North Korea, China, um, number of countries out of the Middle East. Um, you know, so there's there's without question state actors and um, their proxies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, involved in this kind of behavior. Um, you know, then, you know, you read the stories that have been published, you know, about sort of the, the bored Macedonian teens cranking up, um, you know, fake news in 2016. Um, and, you know, economic, they, they flat out <laughs> understood how to make money. And from some of what I was reading, um, some you know, young Macedonian teenagers probably made more in 2016 and 2017 than I did. Um Sorry, I'm not familiar with that that story. What was the Macedonian angle? Oh, well, well there's a a, a group of um, uh, Macedonian teenagers that were um, creating a, a lot of the stories that were ending up on Facebook that were um, anything but true, that were driving huge amounts of um, traffic and clicks and um, revenue hmm. um, to these uh, you know, uh, fake news sites. Um, hmm. So, you know, what can I say? Um, <laughs> Interesting. Uh, you know, when there's money to be made and motivation to do so. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, because, you know, one of the pieces that I, I, I did write, you know, Wired has written about this. And I know, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I admire the work that, um, you know, Craig Silverman and the team at BuzzFeed have been uh, doing a great job um, since, you know, before 2016 reporting on some of these issues. But, um, you know, some of these Teenagers are smart enough to do some good quality A-B testing, and they realize that traffic coming from uh, Hillary Clinton stories weren't uh, nearly as profitable as uh, uh, stories uh, connected to the current president of the United States. So, um, And so what I'm hearing you say is that this is more of a, of a uh, decentralized, uh, at least on the commercial side, let's say. Let's, let's leave the state actors alone. But mm-hmm. on the commercial side, it's more of a, a decentralized there are small groups, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hackers or you know, smart young computer programmers yep. that are putting these types of this type of content or creating bots and selling selling mm-hmm. bots, selling followers. Uh, yep. Is that what I'm hearing you say, or is there some sort oh, of absolutely? I mean, you, it, no, yeah. I mean you can. I mean, New York Times did a great uh, piece about uh, three weeks ago uh, exposing a uh, and. I had actually reported before the Times, but I'm not the Times, and they put a lot of work into. But um, you should. I, you I mean, the piece called, called called Follower Factory. I mean, and they exposed a network called Davumi, uh-huh. um, and you know, it was it, you know, great piece. Um, I was high fiving myself. <laughs> um, it was it was nice to see. But so yeah, there's definitely commercial. Um, no shortage of um, commercial. Um, businesses that will sell you, um, shall we say, uh, you know, ways to juice your social profile. Right. Um, you know, so, and in some cases it's, you know, it, it's not very expensive to, um, you know, buy a small village of followers or to, um, in essence, you know, ma- like at times I imagine it, Joe, it's like buying, um, you know, some airtime on, on the radio. It's like, you know, I want this many retweets of this content for the morning drive show. And then um, for the all night overnighter, I'll take uh, this many retweets and this many likes. And 
um, yeah, there, there, there are, you know, I'm sure we don't have to go too far to find services um, that will take a credit card. Don't even have to have a Bitcoin account. You can just pay with it with your credit card and, and um, you know, make it look like you've got some significant influence mm. uh, in your social feed. Wow. Wow. Interesting. And, and let's talk about the cryptocurrency angle here. Um, what's, what's the advantage of and what have you seen in cryptocurrency and blockchain? How is this playing out? Well, this was sort of a by an act by by accident. Sometimes just being curious, I see things. <laughs> I do. I see things. Um, <laughs> and um, so I, I I noticed a particular uh, profile of um, yeah. and then I found some friends of this profile, and you know we're talking. Um, and, and, and again, I, want, I always want to be careful in how I characterize what I see. Um, mm -hmm. In this particular case, um, I ended up finding 23 profiles that were all connected to essentially um, suggesting they had something to do with the hip-hop, um, rap, music culture, be it producing music, be it having some kind of studio. Um, they had very similar, again, metrics in terms of their follower following count, um, had very similar metrics in terms of their tweets to likes. Um, and what was really interesting in all of these accounts, they were um, tweeting a lot about blockchain, um, mm. AI, mm. Uh, cryptocurrency, um, deep learning, um, and actually nothing about music. Hmm. <laughs> I was curious. And so, <laughs> you know, um, Fair to say that, um, you know, there was one particular profile who, no picture of this guy, um, and really no calls to action, but he was obviously trying to be a thought leader in the world of uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency. And um, this particular group of, without question, these were bots, um, and um, I suspect from the research that I did looking at these 23 profiles and uh, a whole collection of uh, who they were mentioning, uh, hashtags they were using, um, compared to other particular bot networks that I've looked at, um, have a pretty strong suspicion that, um, you know, of, of course there's, shall we say, lower wage jurisdictions that have the same access to tools as that we have. And so in this particular case, I'm, uh, it's highly likely that this uh, bot prof this bot network was being run out of India, mm -hmm. um, and anyhow, so th that that was just it. I just found it really interesting in seeing the amplification of this one particular profile, um, and uh, I don't have it up in front of me. I just kind of keep moving on. I don't dwell too long. But uh, when I see somebody um, you know like that who's obviously trying to be a, a leader in the conversation yeah. um, using that much um, fakery around amplifying his uh, leading thought position. It just makes me want to go. Ehh. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of sounds like, like, if, uh, like the bots are getting smarter, like from Jurassic oh. Park, they're getting smarter. I mean, it used to be maybe just the uh, the standard egg with some nonsensical username, but what I hear you saying, and I think I, I read the same article. Uh, now you have uh, a legit picture, you know, maybe this whole identity of someone who's trying to make it as a rapper, and uh, and 
on first glance, maybe second glance, it looks legit. Uh, but then only once you dig deeper and, and kind of follow the trends of what they're tweeting about, can you actually tell if they're uh, if they're real? Yeah. And, and I think that times, you know, that, you know, there it is. I mean, how often are we just scanning? We're skimming. We're not really, uh, you know, uh, spending a lot of time looking and thinking what we're what we're looking at. And so I see profiles every day that, you know, I just go, wow, that, you know, that that will pass um, most people's eyeball test yeah. as um, being being a real person. Right. Um, you know, and then when I start digging down, I mean, again, one of the things I've been doing is. Um, uh, looking at some of these profiles, uh, particularly on the political side, um, recently, um, and and again, you know, like I said, I, I want to be clear: this this is behavior. This is a full political spectrum game. It's you know, we, we can't heap this all on, um, uh, shall we say, the um, uh, right. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, you know, I, I've said to a number, quite a number of people, is that for every Twitter account that is um, a sock puppet-like or bot-like um, profile that's got the hashtag mega, um, the operator of that probably has the same account with a slightly different picture, a little different bio with the hashtag resist. <laughs> right. Um, be <laughs> Equal because, opportunity tool. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, you know, and if we think about this at a, at a political level, when we think about this sort of at a, information warfare, and if the goal is to sow um, distrust, Mm. Right. To undermine our trust in media, to undermine our trust in uh, our key institutions. Um, there is no point in them playing favorites. Um, mm. You know, they, they might as well just, um, you know, like I say, be equal opportunists um, in, in how they're operating. And um, yeah, I mean, there, there's times I see profiles and I go, wow, seven day average 470 tweets a day you're, hu <laughs> you're human right um yeah, i mean eventually uh, well let me ask you this but it sounds like eventually uh they're going to get so good it's going to be almost impossible to tell the difference um you know right? and I, well i try not to be the total pessimist about life <laughs> okay uh, you know i've left my tinfoil hat firmly in, in the closet mm -hmm. um but you know when we and these are questions that we have to ask and and um, you know when we start thinking about the implications of you know AI um, of how chat technology can uh, is already being integrated into um, some of these profiles. Um, yeah, I mean there's there, there's definitely a, a a big element of concern that I have over uh, the continuing dehumanization of cyberspace, like you know. Who who are we talking to in these conversations online? What happened to be you know you know you know they don't know you're a dog when you're on the internet. <laughs> right. Well, what freaks me out is the the doppelganger bots, uh, and this is something mm -hmm. you you tipped me off to. But uh, for those who don't know, uh, what what some of these bots will do is they will copy a real person's uh, uh, let's say Twitter uh, profile, same picture. Uh, same description or summary, uh, and they'll change the name slightly. Maybe instead of an O, they'll put a zero, yeah. and and they'll use that as their bot. So, and you could imagine the next version of that is maybe they start copying some of your more personal or more human uh, traits. Um, but uh, but but anyway, I mean, 
<laughs> it's pretty scary that these bot these these things have gotten so sophisticated that uh, they could steal your identity to some extent and, and probably misrepresent you in in, in seriously mm-hmm. uh, negative ways. Yeah, and I mean, again, when we start thinking about you know what's happening here, I mean, that level of social engineering. I mean, in all fairness, um, yeah, I've seen. I've seen profiles and I've logged, uh, you know, I've logged a few thousand. I mean, Twitter has been on a bit of a, shall we say, a, a, a binge of, of purging. So mm-hmm. it's been interesting. Some of the ones I, I have taken a little time and gone back and looked at some of the ones that I've logged um, that are either suspended or, or no longer in existence. So, sure. um, yes, there is some um, activity, you know to start curtailing this, um, you know, I haven't looked back, but I saved some of the hashtag um, uh, Twitter lo- Twitter lockout. Now, I'll be taking a look at that. That'll be an interesting conversation. Um, didn't read the satire that I saw this morning is that um, after the purge, um, <laughs> it looked pretty funny, actually. Donald Trump only has 14 followers now. He's upset. Um, <laughs> right. um, but 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 we the bigger problem is, though, is, Joe, is that for everyone that gets you know, purged, um, you know, 10, 15, 20, yeah. uh, you know, pop up. Right. Um, and so it's sort of, I use the analogy. It's, it, it's like, um, you know, sort of this rhizomatic theory, or you think about how, you know, get rid of, you know, if you've got a real bad crabgrass infestation, mm. you know, good luck getting rid of crabgrass. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think it's very much, um, you know, a huge challenge that the, the, the barrier to entry is, is low. Um, right. I think for the platforms to make it harder to join, you know, the more friction they put into the process for mm-hmm. people to join the platform, you know, let's not get ourselves, Joe, <laughs> um, that's not in their best interests. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good point. Hmm. Uh, you know, what's the number one metric wall street keeps asking about, <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, well, and and that leads to the next question: is where where's all this going? What are the long term implications of some of these trends? Um, sometimes I, 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 if I had a really uh, bang on answer for that right now, maybe that would be my um, my golden ticket, my Willy Wonka moment. Um, so I'm still, you know, I, I'm still again. Um, trying to piece together uh, a really complicated ecosystem. Um, Politically speaking, um, you know, I think it's fair to say that um, we have a a major uh, provincial election in Ontario coming up here in Canada in June. Mm -hmm. Next year, there's a uh, election, a federal election in Canada. So um, we here in Canada um, can't rest on our laurels. We, We need to be aware of, uh, you know, quite frankly, this uh, aspects of uh, misinformation, computational propaganda, information warfare, um, midterm elections, November, um, let's not get ourselves. Um, I, I think there's a number of potential issues that are, um, you know, the citizens of the United States are going to have to uh, be aware of. And, 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 you know, let's not kid ourselves, Joe, I mean, uh, you know, recent research from Pew, um, you, know, you know, internet research, I mean, indicated, uh, and this is fairly fresh, um, you know, 67%, you know, uh, of adults getting their news from social media platforms. Mm. So, you know, we start thinking about this manipulation of, uh, of information. Um, and, you know, if you're 
reading a story from you know uh, Facebook, are you reading it? Is it a New York Times story, or is it a Facebook story? Like, right. so we have this, I think what we have is this process. We're getting farther away from the source. Sure. Um, and so what is it you're reading? Um, and, and, you know, I think so much content is snackable, shareable, um, on the fly, um, you know, a, a notification on your phone. Um, so how many, you know, we really have to, I think, deep down collectively as individuals have to, you know, ask harder questions of ourselves of how we are engaging and consuming information. I, I, I agree with all that. Um, but I just wonder, I wonder if it's going to create an opportunity uh, for someone, for whether it's an organization uh, or, or a social media platform or a, a, a news corporation um, it seems like the, all of this is creating, well, I guess one of two things could happen. One is um, it, it gets fixed somehow, um, and, and kind of the optimists would probably uh, hope for that or think or expect mm -hmm. that. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you're being cynical, like I'm tending towards the, the, these days, is that it's going to so, become so bad and it's going to become even worse such that there might be opportunities for others that are kind of values driven, uh, driven by trust, um, and mm -hmm. and consumers are going to be hungry for that. Yeah, I, you know, I think we're seeing some of that to a degree. How we, you know, certain news organizations are, are obviously having um, success on a subscriber uh, subscriber you know driven model, mm -hmm. um, but you know if we think about it like one of my concerns is that, you know, so we sort of now start um, having a process of um, who has access to news and journalism. If, if you know, not everybody can afford to pay um, X many dollars a month to have multiple, you know, sources of, you know, uh, you know, good quality investigative and overall journalism. Yeah. Um, so how many citizens are still, you know, going to be relying on getting information from, shall we say, potentially less reputable sources because flat out, you know, they've actually got to be able to, you know, uh, have some money to, you know, pay a rent and, 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 and you know, buy a meal. Right. You know, right. so I, I have a concern that um, subscriber-based um, journalism, you know, isn't going to be the only solution. And so, you know, I think, you know, um, I, I've got a little quote here. I just got it last night um, from uh, a person I have a, a lot of respect for, and, and she put it out in a tweet. And it was a, from a, this guy by the name of at Tim T. Wang. Um, and he wrote, for any detection system you can write, I can write a bot that gets around it. <laughs> right. Um, and I just noted to Aaron, I went like, that's gold. Right. Um, and because I, because I, um, as much as I, you know, I've uh, been somewhat involved in, you know, in, in technology, uh, for a number of years now, um, I, I don't think that we can build technology that's going to uh, get us out of this problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I think, you know, I, I don't think we can rely on, um, uh, our governments to, uh, you know, legislate us to the promised land. 
Um, you know, I, I have concerns, for instance, you know, you know, Germany, for instance, um, has some pretty tight laws around, um, you know, around hate speech. Mm -hmm. um, but then we start falling into um, forms of censorship. Um, you know, all of a sudden is, is, is uh, you know, satire, you know, legitimate satire. Is that a form of hate speech? Right, you right. Know, you know, it like gets uh, complicated. Yeah, it does. Slippery I mean, slope. Yeah, one guy's fact is another guy's fiction. So, um, you know, I, I think, like I say, Joe, I mean, this presents us with a lot of uh, a lot of challenges. And, you know, really, I, I think where some of this has got to go is, A, um, guys like you and I having this conversation for starters. Yeah. Um, and then other people just starting to have, um, you know, elevating the awareness and um, getting people sometimes just to take that good, quality pause like before i share a piece of content um what do i know about it yeah um and, and i think you know i hate to put it all on us um because i feel what that does is it, it it's a cop-out and it, it it lets all the platforms off the hook it does let a lot of people um you know and even gone down to you know what i think is also one of the problems is uh you know a lot of the automation tools um you know that have been built for marketers to sell more shoes and sure. to um, get us to buy more. Um, you know, darn if, uh, you know, uh, consumer based, um, you know, marketing tools, um, can get us to buy more stuff than, you know, look what's happened when they get in the hands of political marketers. Right. Um, yeah, but I, I think I agree with you. I think that awareness is the first step. Uh, because most people aren't even aware that these bots exist. Most people don't are not aware that there are nefarious or uh, organizations with uh, selfish intentions out there mm -hmm. actively trying to manipulate them and trick them and uh, and influence them. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I guess I come back to this idea that once that awareness is, is more saturated in the in society. I think there's going to be a flight to trust, uh, kind mm -hmm. of like a flight to qual information quality, yep. where uh, everyone's going to choose their one or two news sources that they that they actually trust and they believe in, and maybe they'll subs be subscribers to those and, and and be willing to pay. Maybe not. I mean, I I do recognize that there's the challenge with. Uh, organizations, news organizations, where they are competing for clicks with the clickbait, with the yeah. very salacious yeah. headlines. Uh, and oftentimes that leads to them printing things before they're able to fact check them mm -hmm. or whatnot. But I, I guess my hope is that's a short-term problem. That's that's a problem that that they're because they're trying to compete on uh, on how exciting the title is, how many clicks they're going to get. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think in the long term, they're not going to be able to compete on those metrics. They're going to have yep. to compete on we are a trusted news source. We are a professional organization uh, that you can come to and, and you're going to get uh, a reliable source of information. And, uh, and, and that's how it could work. But, it, but to do that, it puts, like you said, it puts a lot of onus on the individual, on the consumer to mm -hmm. curate your own news sources. Yeah, but you know, I mean, is it? You know, I, I've seen a couple of illusions lately. You know, it, you know, are you know have some social or some social media platforms like today's big tobacco. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think really it, it, it is a, a a big thing where you know we as individuals, we as um, consumers of information, 
um, you know, just have to start taking, um, you know, be more vigilant about, you know, our engagement and our choices. Um, and again, like I said, let's, let's try to expand this conversation. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, the chicken little, the sky is falling in. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I do, I have, you know, I have significant concerns, but you know, I, I, I try to be skeptical. Um, but I also try to be optimistic. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's complex. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> It's a pickle. Uh, and you pointed me towards this book, uh, Attention Merchants by Tim Wu. Uh, yeah. And I read an article on this. I, I haven't read the book yet. I'd, li I'd like to. I'm putting it on my list. Uh, but just this last, this, this one quote from the book uh, says, uh, let's see. Uh, our, our best hope, he believes, this is from quoting from the article, our best hope, he believes, is a personal improvement project. He asks us to spend less time on the internet and more time doing things that demand a serious level of concentration. This will empower us to make our attention our own again, mm -hmm. he says, and so reclaim ownership of the very experience of living. I mean, is that the real answer? Is, is, is the answer just to escape, <laughs> to, to get off the internet, to get out into the real world? I mean, is that the... Is that kind of yeah. the meta solution to, to all this? Or? Well, you know, I, I think that is a big part of it, Joe. And, you know, it, it's interesting is that, you know, um, more human contact, you know, um, better public space, uh, you know, spaces for people to gather, uh, spaces for people to have real conversations, um, you know, put your phone down. Um, you know, I mean, I like I know myself. I mean, I, I try to be pretty disciplined to, you know, shut down the devices, um, you know, uh, fairly early in the evening and, um, you know, pick up a book. Uh, I, I'm into getting paper cuts, man, like that tactile experience. <laughs> right. Um, and occasionally, you know, do that passive thing and, and do, you know, watch a little bit of Netflix now and then and not always um, uh, uh, Black Mirror. Uh, <laughs> 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 um yeah, you know, I and you I talk think, like about I said, yeah. I was just going to just jump on one thing mm -hmm. you said, which was actually have conversations with humans, um, and I think that's one aspect of. I mean, partially it's bots, but partially it's just us all living in our own bubbles and our own tribes mm -hmm. and hearing only wanting to interact with people who th think similarly yep. to us. But um, I think human, real live human to human contact with people who have different views. Mm -hmm. uh, and and different cult, different cultures or subcultures, um, I, yeah. I think is important, and it's it, we're losing that, and we're losing yeah. the ability to disagree in a in a rational yes. way, uh, and it's easier to disagree, and and it's easier to um, have you know very hateful speech um, and 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 deceptive speech when you're online versus when you're in a, in a room with a, with a real life human being uh, across mm -hmm. the table. Um, so I wonder if, if, I mean, that's one thing I'm hoping to do with this podcast. I don't know how it's actually going to uh, materialize, but is to have more of an open dialogue with people who, yeah. you know, have differing opinions. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's important. I, I'm with you is, is, you know, I think, um, you know, the, the ability to make yourself uncomfortable, mm -hmm. um, diversify your sources, um, you know, and I really thought you, you hit on when you said that we're forgetting like how to disagree. Yeah. Um, like, like an actual, to have a debate, to 
Oh, that's right. Um, facts don't matter anymore, do they? Um, sorry. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I thought, you know, it was a couple of months ago, um, Brett Stevens. Oh, sorry, lefties. But um, I did read a Brett Stevens column in The New York Times. And, he, and I thought he wrote a really insightful piece about exactly that, that how far away we've gotten from the ability to, um, you know, uh, understand how to disagree. Um, so, yeah, our, um, yeah, uh, whole notion of public debate is, is really eroding. I mean, just, um, screaming <laughs> across the aisle. Um, you know, uh, you know, if you eat too much dogma, you know, at the, uh, buffet table, you're going to get, you know, fat around the midsize and you're thinking, I think. Yeah. No, I think <laughs> that's a good way of putting <laughs> <Sorry>. it. Um, <laughs> So, so just to shift gears here, um, mm. what, let, let's talk more about you and, and I just want to kind of switch to kind of the rapid fire, uh, section of the podcast, just to let the audience know a little bit more about you and, and, uh, and what you do. So, uh, I guess first off, this is, this is my pet, uh, interest, uh, around origin stories and, and what people are like as a kid. What were you like as a kid? Um, and, and what were your interests and does it have any correlation to some of the things you're doing today? Oh, I think it's all related, Joe. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, if I, if I said to you is that the one, one word that's always stuck with me is definitely nerd. Um, <laughs> you know, look, uh, one of my first jobs was, you know, working in a small town library. Uh, we didn't have cable television where, when I grew up, um, you know, first few years we did. I mean, look, I remember black and white uh, television um, and then moving to a place where we didn't have access to cable. So we we're lucky if the weather was good, we had access to maybe one channel. So uh, I read a lot as a kid. Mm. Um, the only thing I was missing was a pocket protector on most days. <laughs> um, I won't say, you know, I, I was an easy target to kind of get uh, a little bit picked on, but it just made me a little tougher. Um and it sort of made me realize that, you know, it was okay to, you know, use your brain because sometimes that got me out of sticky situations. Um, and, you know, hey, I spent four years at uh, an all-boys boarding school, uh, which I joked was sort of a, a when I was there, a, a cross between Sparta and Lord of the Flies. So um, that certainly gave me a sense <laughs> of uh, <laughs> a sense of unique community. Um, still have a few really close friends from back in those days, but, you know, uh, it, 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 it actually was good because it put me in an environment around some other, you know, suddenly I sort of wasn't, not that I'm saying I was the smartest kid in my class in, you know, my little hometown, but, you know, at times it felt like that way. Um, and, uh, you know, so being in an environment where I w wasn't the smartest kid in class was good. And just access to a lot of sports and activities, you know, played, you know, got to play rugby for quite a number of years. And, you know, so just active, competitive, uh, and curious, you know, and I really think that's sort of a, a big part of the foundation. You know, I, I was fortunate. I grew up with a good family, you know, uh, uh, and were, so, you, were you into uh, mystery novels or code cracking or investigative journalism when you were, when you were that age? Well, a lot of history, actually. I, I read a lot of history. And yes, you know, I, I was kind of intrigued with um, um, sort of, you know, sort of mystery and that type of stuff, too. But it was just, you know, it, it's it was really what I had was, you know, what am I going to read? And and also, too, you know, look, it wasn't just all, all novels and and. Um, and sort of documentary type reading is um, oh, comic books, man. It's like I remember going to with my father, like just 
it was uh, sort of a biweekly pilgrimage down to the used bookstore and um, just reefing through the boxes of comics and swapping comics. And um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was, you know, a voracious reader. And, um, you know, if I didn't have anything at hand, there was always a stack of National Geographics and uh, how nerdy was I? Every now and then I just pull out the frickin' dictionary and, um, you know, <laughs> what words don't I know? <laughs> um, that's right how nerdy I was, yes. Well, it sounds like it served you well. Uh, next question is, what do you believe that others don't believe? Oh, that was a tough one um, because there was a few things I thought I could roll out with. But, you know, I, I think part of this conversation that, you know, um, and, and maybe you've seen it just in this last couple of weeks. It's, uh, you know, um, kind of made some headlines of how some of the major universities um, in the States are going to start rolling out uh, ethics programs uh, connected to computing science and, and engineering. And mm. I'm sorry, but, you know, I, I really feel like um, one of the reasons we're a little bit in this uh, information crisis and this mess that we've just been kind of talking about is uh, somewhere along the way we've given up the narrative of uh, the human narrative to the uh, technocrats and the technocratic utopians. Mm. Um, you know, there's been a f people that have forgotten that technology itself is, you know, you know, it's neutral, it's ambivalent, it's it's about the user, and you know what we've seen is a failure. I think a gross failure to recognize that some really some people with really bad intent have used some tools um, to do some really uh, bad things. And uh, I think some of the designers, I think some of the engineers, I think some of the people that have been involved in building some of our technologies, um, it would have been really good if they had some background in some humanities. It would have been really good if uh, they had some people in the room with some background in philosophy, with some background in sociology, with maybe a few more ethnographers to ask the questions. And I'm sorry, some of the engineers, and I know some of you are really smart. You are. You can, <laughs> you can code. You can design. You can build things. But, man, if you're not prepared to ask the hard questions, the questions you're blind to asking, because it's not just about tool technology. It's about human beings. Right. And I really think that, um, uh, you know, I've been kind of harping on this for a few years now. And I think now seeing um, this, you know, now trend to start having ethics introduced into some of these disciplines. I'm sorry, it should have been 20 years ago. It might have made a difference. <laughs> um, and just because these classes are going to be offered, does it mean they're going to come? And then secondly, um, people that go through the classes, what impact are these classes and these people that are going to have these ethics classes going to have? It's not going to have an impact tomorrow. It's not going to have an impact next year. Um, you know, I, I personally think a little bit is just, you know, again, part of the PR machine. Um, so, so, that's, so you think it's that's, too little too late? Um, I don't think it's – it's not going to help tomorrow, that's for sure. But, I mean, I, I guess what can I say? Damn, it's about goddamn time. <laughs> okay, um, <I> But <laughs> um, you know, like, like I say, we, we you know we can't look, we we can't jump in the wayback machine and suddenly, um, shall we say, uh, you know, throw somebody with a good solid, uh, you know, philosophy background to sit next to a Mr. Zuckerberg, um, yeah. uh, a number of years ago might have made a difference. Um, because I'm sorry. Um, we're just not going to code ourselves, and we're just not going to build technology to get out of this. So we need humans with a human perspective, um, asking, I think, a lot more harder questions of why some of the things that are being worked on today, you know, why does it need to exist? Does it need to exist? Right. No, I think, what I are think the, yeah, I, th I think that ties to a lot of things we've been talking about today. Sorry, what were you, the last thing you were going to say? Mm -hmm. 
No, that's that. That's I, I. I've so there we go. That's my maybe not so popular take for a few um, uh, the technocratic utopians uh, that are probably your next door neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 have a number of those in San Francisco. Yes, I agree. Just one or two. <laughs> uh, just, so just to tie things together a little bit. Um, yeah. My understanding is you've you've built this tool. Um, and, and now what you're doing is you're turning it into a, a service business and, and, and forgive the analogy, but the way I'm kind of looking at it is you're, you're kind of transitioning to a potential arms dealer to potentially becoming your own kind of superhero. Uh, you're, 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 you're putting the, the tools in the hands of the good and, and trying to keep it out of the hands of the, of the evil kind of tying back to your, your comic book roots. Yes, thank uh, is, you. Is, is that is that fair, or or am I or yeah. am I reaching there? You know, I, no, I think it, it, thank you. That's a it's a pretty good analogy, actually, Joe. Um, yeah, I'm trying to you know keep things out of the hands of Doctor Evil, because um, <laughs> now I know that I definitely you know uh, no unicorn pursuits here, so it won't be billions for where I'm going, Joe. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I feel that. Um, it's uh, just a real good time to, um, you know, shift gears. I've learned a lot of lessons. Um, you know, I recognize the landscape. Um, there are no shortage, thousands of uh, uh, marketing tools available. It's uh, it, it's so, yeah, that was a big part of the decision. I went, uh, I don't want to be a tool guy anymore. Um, I prefer to use what I think we've built the foundation of and we'll continue to um you know, we are continuing to, to work on it um, mm-hmm. based on some use cases and, and conversations with some uh, really interesting people that we've been having. Um, and just, you know, again, really make this about um, our ability to understand some of these challenges, our ability to investigate um, conversations, to look at profiles and to um, potentially report um, and deliver some insights as to, um, you know, potential threats of misinformation. And I mean, we didn't even touch on, I mean, Joe is like the other part of this whole thing that um, gets me going too, is the, uh, uh, phishing malware, social engineering that mm. are, are cyber threats that are attached yeah. with what's also happening, um, on our social platform these days too. So, you know, that, that's, that's where, um, that's that's where things are going. That's what's uh, getting me up and and rolling. And um, again, just uh, sort of my own curiosity and um, asking questions of what I'm seeing, why I'm seeing it. And um, you know, I'm excited that we've actually had some conversations and are now finding some people to go, hey, we like what you're doing. Um, can we pay you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, there's the mantra for 2018 for uh, the little uh, mention map analytics team. It's uh, called get and I won't drop the F-bomb paid. Um, uh, and so, yeah, that's 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 where we're at. And I think that, you know, be it individuals, be it uh, organizations, be it uh, potentially brands that are uh, uh, concerned about uh, their exposure um, or, uh, you know, we could do some unique competitive analysis. Um, I, I think there's a lot of things that we can do. I mean, I've talked with some people about, for instance, uh, you know, if a publicly traded company, for instance, uh, imagine if people are sending out information that's being amplified, um, you know, that would impact uh, 
stock prices. So who would benefit? Mm -hmm. Short sellers, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so is there behavior like that happening around um, your organization? Um, you know, so I mean, I think there's a lot of ways we have to really look at uh, the flow of, of information and information security. I think now, um, in a in, in a way different light. And I mean, hey, there's some bigger players out there doing some really impressive things, um, but you know, I think there's always uh, room room for the little guy, room for the underdog, to uh, have some have some good co good conversations, work with some good people, and and we'll continue to grow our businesses uh, as the opportunities come. Makes sense. I have no doubt. So, so how can people find you? How can people find your company if they're interested in getting in touch? Um, so, um, at mention map with two P's, um, yeah, I think you'll find some of what we share on Twitter, uh, engaging if you're a Twitter person, um, uh, mention map with two P's, uh, you'll be able to see our, uh, network visualization tool, hoping to have a uh, quite frankly, hoping to have a, a new website up that's long overdue um, here in the uh, coming weeks. And, um, you know, uh, there's just, uh, uh, I guess I can say this, uh, there's just john at mentionmap with, uh, dot com. Um, email me, reach out, let's uh, have a conversation. Um, I think that about covers the bases. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you're a thought leader on a very challenging and growing uh, issue. And, uh, and I know you've worked with professors and you've worked with, with other organizations in the past. And uh, I think this is important a conversation to have and an important conversation for people to hear. So I, I'm sure uh, there will be Many customers uh, that will be contacting you uh, either via this podcast or, or some other route, and I, I think there's there's plenty of, of business to uh, to keep you growing for many years to come. So very exciting, uh, John. Just want to thank you again for being on the podcast. This is a real pleasure, and uh, and definitely keep in touch and and uh, let's let's do it again another time. Yeah, Joe, thanks so much. It's been great. Um, I, I like a conversation. I didn't feel like I was interviewed. So uh, <laughs> keep the good conversations going. I uh, appreciate being part of it. And I'll be looking forward to uh, you know, hearing some of the other folks you're going to have uh, talking about in the, in the days to come, too. Excellent. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Epic Human Podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever app you happen to be using. And if you want to keep up to date on the latest Epic Human Podcast, please follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Epic Human Pod. And if you have any ideas for guests or feedback on the show, please reach out. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.